0: when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat and the eyes of them both were opened And they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree Whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat. Just for a moment, we will talk about this passage of scripture and see what the Lord wants to get us to understand and how He wants to work in our hearts today, how He wants to work in our life today. Will you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, let your spirit work in amongst all of us. We need your spirit, Lord God, to speak to us. We need for you, Lord God, to move upon us in a divine way. We need, Lord God, for us to come out of the state of complacency. We need something to change in our life, Lord God. Something that will cause us, Lord God, to draw nigh unto thee. Something, Lord God, that will cause us to seek after thee. Something that will cause us to walk with thee. Something that will cause us, Lord God, to do the things that please thee. Something that will cause us, Lord God, to allow the the light of Christ to shine brightly in us that men can see our good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. We need, oh God, for the miraculous power of God to work in us and through us And we need to see the will of God be done in us and amongst us. And in this world, Lord God, today I pray that the miracle working power of the Almighty God will work mightily in our midst. And that, God, we can walk away from this place with tangible, visible change in our heart, in our life, and how we conduct ourselves, Lord. Will you move today and help us, Lord God, to never ever be the same again. Lord, we need the power of God. To overshadow us, Lord God. I can't minister in my own strength, Lord God. I don't have what it takes, Lord God, to speak to the people of God that change will take place but God if you will help me today if you will use me today if you will allow me to be in the flow of your spirit something could happen today Lord God something could happen Lord God to us we believe that you want to do something in our life Lord God but we want to see it Lord we don't just want to to know it we want to see it happen Lord God we need it to happen Lord God we don't just want to know it but we want to see it. Lord have your way today. In the name of Jesus. Let nothing hinder the working of your spirit. Let nothing hinder the power of God. From being unleashed. And let faith rise in the heart of your people. That we will begin to call those things that are not. As though they were. That we will stand on the word of God. And proclaim what thus at the Lord. In the name of Jesus will you have your way today? Oh great God, oh, move on us. We we'll give you the praise and honor Lord God who is like the Lord. For there is none like you. 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 In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord and give him a hand clap of praise. God is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. You may be seated. Sometimes the body don't cooperate. But I don't let the body control me all the time. Put a caveat all the time because, boy, sometimes we do let the body get the best of us. But I try not to let the body control me all the time. And so I try to push through in spite of how I feel. I woke up uh, a couple mornings ago and the Lord gave me a thought. And uh could be a disturbing thought. And I just went straight down to get my Bible and the Lord gave me a thought to begin to see what he wanted to say to us. And this is the thought that the Lord gave to me a few mornings ago that he wanted me to preach here this morning. You can run, but you can't hide. Woke me up with a clear, clear thought. You can run, but you can't hide. You can run. But you can't hide. Won't you tell your neighbor, you can run, but you can't hide. Tell your other neighbor, you can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> Life before sin was perfect. It was perfect peace and joy Because of a pure communion with God Almighty. Adam and Eve lived with purpose. Caring for the garden. And enjoying intimate fellowship with God. I want you to take note of that. How it was from the very beginning. Because if you ever want to know. And understand things, you have to find out what was the beginning all about. And oftentimes we're trying to understand things and never go back to the source, never go back to the beginning to say, what is this all about anyway? When we have problems and challenges and trials and the things that are happening that we're not Seeming to understand, the first thing we should do is go back and say, what was this all about from the beginning anyway? If we never do that, we will never get total and complete understanding of what is truly happening and how can we make sure things are rightly in order. So in the beginning, they had perfect peace and joy. And communion with God. They had intimate fellowship with God. Their prayer life was full of communion with God in the garden. Every day. Every day. That's what it was in the beginning. Before sin. Before all the troubles. Before life just took this turn. That's how it was in the beginning. I'll tell you a secret. What they talk about the dash, you ever heard the little dash poem? That a life has a beginning and it has an end, but what really happens is the dash. What really counts is the dash. The time you spent living from the beginning to the end. That's the dash. So you were born in 1968 and you died in whatever the date is. The bottom line is from 68 to whatever the death time is, what did you do? because really that's what we're coming together that funeral to celebrate at that time the dash that life and so we need to understand what was life about from the very beginning so we can have a true understanding of what life supposed to be about today because life has took a difficult turn uh-huh that perfect place And perfect peace and joy and and intimate communion with God. They chose a difficult path by their disobedience against God. So life was great. Life was perfect. There was nothing to worry about. Nothing to stress about. They didn't have to do anything. Life was just wonderful. All Adam had to do was care for the garden. And who knows what kind of work that was because everything was perfect from the beginning. So how much care did he have to provide to the garden? Life was perfect. But then they disobeyed God. And that just changed everything. Changed everything. Uh huh. God could have made humans to be robots. You hear me say that all the time. God could have made us to be robots. With no will but to please Him like the angels. The angels don't have their own will. They do what God tells them and so they do what God commands them to do. And so God tells them and they do it. They have no will. They just have to just go and do what God tells them. Yeah, we know some broke away and started doing their own thing. But we'll preach about that another time. But the ones that remain with the Lord, they they, they just do what God tells them. Uh Uh-huh. Instead of God making us robots like angels. He chose to create us in his image. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. With the power of reasoning and ability to freely choose what and whom we will love and serve. God didn't create us like angels. He didn't create us like robots. He didn't create us to not have our own Will to choose what we would and what we would not. He gave us that free will so we can choose what we will and not. Listen to this next statement because it's very important. The power of choice only exists if there is or were the option to choose something other than God. So we're wondering why are we... Even had the situation where we had to choose because that's the only way you have free will. If there is no other choice, then you would have to just choose God by default. If there was no other choice, then you had to become like the angels and not really have your own will. You just had to choose God by default. If that's the case, then that word that we know that's called L-O-V-E wouldn't really be what it is today, L-O-V-E. Because when you are forced to do something, when you don't have a choice but to do something, you can't exercise whether you love or you don't. Yesterday we were at a wedding, and I love what the, the pastor said when he was... uh, uh Doing the the, the 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 officiating of the ceremony, he said to the bride and the groom, at this point of marriage, that you're getting ready to enter into marriage. At this point, they weren't married yet. He said, "You're choosing to get married. You're choosing to love one another. But after you enter into this covenant." Forget about the choice. You live by commitment. I love that. It's the same thing because marriage is supposed to be the thing that teach us about the church relationship with God. So you choose God, but after you do, it's a commitment to God. You don't have to choose anymore because you took the time out to choose God. People want to choose God today and tomorrow choose something else. Choose God next week and then the following week choose something else. And that's not the way a choice and commitment, a marriage, that's not the way it works. And so God gave us the power of choice to choose whether or not we will love him and serve him or we won't that's what it was from the beginning and it's still the very same way today when preachers preach when you come to church it's still all about that choice did you make the choice To serve and obey God, or to obey and serve God, or to love God and serve God. Did you make that choice? And if you did, then what? And so God didn't make us like angels. He didn't make us to be robots. He gave us the opportunity to make choice. Whether or not we will choose him, love him, and obey him. And so God created Adam and Eve, put them in the garden, and he gave them instructions. Now you understand the instructions why the tree was placed in the midst of the garden, and God said, don't touch it. Now you understand. This is the reason why he said, don't touch that tree. Because he's giving you the power of reasoning and choice. Because if he's going to enter into relationship with us, he's only entering into that relationship through love, through through choosing. He chose us already. Now the, 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 the question is, do we choose him? How do you know he chose us, preacher? Because he created us. And so he placed them in the garden and told them, All the trees freely eat. This one you don't eat. We get caught up in a lot of that. But now you know the only reason why he said that. Power of choice and reasoning. He needed you to have that. He needed you to decide if you want to obey and serve God. If you wanted to love God and serve God. Did you want to do that or you don't want to do that? This is why even when I started out on this journey to say that I'm going to obey God and do what he tells me in pastor's church, I I made a decision a long time ago. I will not manipulate. I will not try to sway you to do anything in God, but I will preach the word of God to you so you can make the choice. Did God try to sway Adam and Eve when he put the tree in the midst of the garden? Or did he just put it there and says, don't eat that, eat all the other stuff. He even gave instruction. He said, if you eat of that tree, you'll surely die. I learned a little parenting skill real quick from God. In case you want it, I'll throw it out to you, give it to you. Always set the boundaries before you discipline. Don't discipline and you didn't have boundaries. Make sure the children know these are the boundaries. This is what you can do. This is what you can't do. And so when they do or do not, then you can operate as you should. That's how God established it. He says, don't eat of that tree, but all the other trees you can eat. If you disobey me, eat of that tree. Here's what's going to happen to you. But if you eat all of this, everything will be good. That's how God parented the first humans on the earth. I want you to take notice of how Eve got tempted. Because that temptation still worked today. Yeah, Eve, Eve got tempted and it, it still works the same way today. Verse six talks to us a lot about temptation of man. Again, origination. Let's go back to the original form of where things were. Verse six says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes. Mm. See that? Pleasant to the eyes and to be desired to make one wise she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband so how did man first disobey God they disobeyed God through the lust of their flesh through the lust of their eyes and because of the pride of life that's how the first humans disobeyed God you know, I want to tell you, a lot of times when we think sin, because I think, I feel this in my spirit this morning, I'm going to say this. A lot of times when we think sin, our minds just go to, like, really terrible things. We think sin, we think murder. We think sin, we think uh doing something really horrible to someone. We think sin, we think, uh, you know... Just doing some cruel stuff that we can look at today and say, oh man, they're just terrible. How could they ever do something like that? We think sin, we think somebody cursing someone out. Sin is just like ruckus living and drinking and smoking and, and just living a, just a, a life out of control. When we think sin, that's what we're thinking. Uh-huh. God want me to talk to you about that this morning. That's why you're quiet. And so because we think that the sin that we're committing, we are not really paying it of full attention like it's really sin. So our sins for us good people isn't really sin. Those people that are drinking and smoking and carrying on and partying, those people that are lying and stealing and murdering, those people that are doing things selling drugs and all, those are the real people that are sinning. We don't really sin. Uh-huh. I think we don't realize that we we, we sin, but but We don't consider our sin sin because we go to church and we're not murdering nobody and we're not cussing anybody out and we're not drinking and we're not partying and we're not smoking marijuana and we're not selling drugs and we're not murdering anybody. We're, we're saying we're okay. We're not that bad. We're not committing sin. Look at that one and look at that one. The very first sin, the original sin. It's just easy, simple disobedience to God. <laughs> we, we, we tend to look at this sin like it's this gigantic thing. Oh my God, I got, you know, I got to go repent. No, no, no. Sin is the simplest disobedience to God. So now let's look at ourselves. Sin is when you're supposed to pray and you don't pray. Sin is when you're supposed to worship God and you don't worship God. Sin is when you're supposed to get into the house of the Lord and you don't go. (laughs) Somebody help me this morning. And I'll show it to you before we're over with today. But sin is simple disobedience to God. And we never want to admit that we sin because we're saying... I'm not fornicating, I'm not committing adultery, I'm not stabbing nobody, I'm not stealing from anybody, I'm not selling drugs. I really don't drink all the time and we go all the way down the road and we name all the stuff we don't do so we're not really sinning. And God is saying, did you see what happened? That first sin is just a little disobedient. The tree was right there and all the other trees they can have and I told them, don't eat of the tree and they ate of the tree. Eating." Of all things, eating, and I sinned against God. So it's time that we start examining ourselves and say, have I been sinning against God and just been overlooking it? have, Have I been sinning and just calling it something else? Have I been doing wrong in the sight of God, but because of all the chaos and the wrong all around the world, I didn't even think about mine because look at me. I'm not no bad person. I don't treat people wrong. I don't go to places I shouldn't go. I do what I'm supposed to do. So I really didn't pay attention to any little thing that you will call sin, preacher. Well, it's not what I would call sin. It's what God will call sin. So the original way of sinning is you lust with your flesh. The Bible says the woman saw that the tree was good for food. So the first thing that gets you to mess up is what you see. Be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little eyes what you see. Now y'all remember my story when I said now. I try not to go to the beach. Now you understand. I, I didn't say you don't go to, I'm not telling you not to go to the beach. And I didn't tell you that sin, it's sinful to go to the beach. Please don't get me all messed up and say, oh, that church said you don't go to the beach. I did not say that. I say, I try not to go to the beach. Why? Be careful little eyes what you see. Some of you might say, I can see stuff and I don't care. Good for you. I know how the human system works. And you will see something, and probably at that time, you're going to act like you didn't see it. All of a sudden, one day out of the blues, that that thought just washed back over you. Remember that? Because you're not in control of this stuff. The devil is at work. And we're thinking, oh. So I try to be careful of what I see, even in the mall. So I just heard somebody say, yeah, I mean, that happened. I mean, so then you are not going to go to the mall? I didn't say that. I just say I'm just trying to be careful of what I see. If I go to the beach, I try to go at the time where everybody's not at the beach. Very few people not at the beach, okay? If I, if I, if I, if I can make it out, I try to go before everybody's there and keep my head straight. And when I go to the mall in the summertime, I try to go and keep my head straight. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Because I'm reading my Bible and I'm trying to live for God. So I know what the first way of temptation, how it worked. Mm-hmm. So Eve didn't just go and pick the fruit. The woman saw that the tree was good for food. Woo. That's the tree God said we shouldn't touch. What is he thinking? Let me try that fruit there. So she lusted after the tree because of what she desired her flesh wanted it then the bible says it was pleasant to the eyes so not only that her flesh desired it but it looked good it looked good everybody got in their mind what looked good to them beauty is in the eyes of the beholder what you might not think look good somebody else thinks look good so you can't say i don't know what you see that's what you see that is nothing, but I see that is something. So everybody see it differently. And so Eve said, Not only do I desire it, but man, look at it. Looks good. And then she had a desire for it because she thought it was gonna make her wise. Huh. That was true and false. It was going to make her know something that she didn't know. Sin make you know something you didn't know. (laughs) So God is so good. He tells us stuff, but because we don't know it, we start trying to go deep into it and doing our own thing. But, but don't mess with the tree. And God gave the layout. But she still went after the tree and said, man, that tree will make us wise." And it's true. She was going to know something that she didn't know before. First John 2 and 16 says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. It's been rolling for a while. When we sin... We make living for God difficult because we bring more ungodly thoughts into our mind that we have to fight through to become godly. Sin don't do anything to God because God is pure, God is righteous, God is holy. And so when we sin, sin don't this when when sin touches God, it becomes removed from God. When 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 we get consumed by sin, it consumes us. Mhm. So sin cannot affect God, but sin affects us. So when we sin against God, what it does now, it goes into our thoughts and and it goes into our mind. It goes into our life. And so now there is stored up information that challenges you when you're trying to live for God, when you're trying to pray, when you're trying to worship, when it's time to come to church, when it's time to give God praise. It's so difficult to do it because all this information of sin is just piled up in your mind and you're trying to press through but it's piled up in your mind and you want to worship and sometimes you're in the midst of your worship and all of a sudden some thought just come to your mind and break your concentration of your worship because you're piled up in your mind all of these sinful things you're wondering why is this so difficult? You get frustrated because you're saying, I thought I had a good little rhythm going. I thought I had a good little momentum going and going to church and praying and reading my Bible and worshiping and praising the Lord. What happened? How did I just fall out of situation that was right for me? How did I just just stop doing what God wants? Sin. It's not always because you're committing to sin. Sometimes it's because it's just so piled up in your mind. Sin is weight. It weighs you down. And so when you're trying to do what God wants you to do, the sin is weighing you down. All those thoughts have consumed you. And you're trying to get a breakthrough. This is why we call it breakthrough. Because you're trying to get through all of that so you can reach the throne of God. You're trying to get through all of that so you can get into the presence of God. But all of that stuff is weighing and piled upon you. And God is reaching for you. And you can't get to Him because of you can run but you can't hide so we have to be careful what we allow to get into our mind we have to be careful the little things that we do and we call it oh it's no big deal it's not a sin I don't see what's wrong with that you want me to tell you what's wrong with that? It's not pleasing unto God. That that's, It's just that simple. And so we negotiate in our mind what we think is wrong with that or not wrong with that. What's the big deal? I don't see what's wrong with that. God is a loving God. He doesn't mind if blah, 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 blah. And what we don't understand is whatever God is telling us, however God is trying to instruct us, It's all for our own good of things we don't know that's coming, that God knows will come if we don't do what he's telling us. We overlook them and we think, eh, I don't see what's wrong with that. You know, I say this all the time, especially to the kids. Why you got to find out? Why don't you just sometimes just listen to somebody that knows it? You heard me talk about the other day that, you know, we're trying our best to live for God smarter, not harder. I don't know if anybody caught that. We're trying to live for God smarter, not harder. That's what you think you're trying to do. There's no such thing. In our world, you can work smarter, not harder. In God's kingdom, there's no such thing as living for God smarter, not harder. (laughs) But I think that we have kind of succumbed to that thought in the world and in the kingdom of God. And it's twisting us all the way up because you can't live for God smarter, not harder. You have to live for God the way he says You can't be smarter about it. You just do what he says. There is no way to live for God smarter and not harder. So we're trying to live for God smarter. You want me to tell you how we try to live for God smarter and not harder? I'm gonna step on some toes today. I'm gonna look right into the um, Facebook. Oh, it snowed last night. I don't feel like cleaning my car off this morning. Ooh, you know what we can do? We can just stay home and watch Facebook Live. That's smarter, not harder. All y'all that want to put on your shoes, your boots, and put on coat and walk in and go to the building. Hey, what's the big deal? I can stay home and get the same word y'all getting. That's smarter, not harder. I'm telling you, that's what we're doing. We brought the same mindset into the church that God is saying, are you kidding me? And I think some more snow going to come down later anyway. We might as well just stay home and just, you know, we can shout better in our pajamas anyway. Yeah. Smarter, not harder. That's what we're telling ourselves. And so we stay home and chill. Chill. That's just one example of what I mean by smarter, not harder. Some of us don't come to Bible study on Thursdays because guess why? I can just go on the internet and listen to the Bible study. And you probably haven't gotten to it yet. Smarter, not harder. And those are not the things that God said. When God created and established all of this, there was no Facebook. So... We can say, well, you know, God allowed man to mind to create Facebook, so we got to use Facebook. Yeah, we're using it to get the word out to the people that's not Christians. People that we're trying to reach, not the people that are already reached. Remember what I said? Once you make that choice and enter into that relationship with God, it's now a commitment. The people that have not made that choice to enter into relationship with God, I'm trying to reach them. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that's why Facebook Live goes on, because you want to give everybody an opportunity to hear the gospel so they can make a decision, they can make a choice to enter into relationship with Jesus Christ. Those of us that have made that choice and we're now in relationship with him through being born again of the Word and of the spirit, guess what? It's commitment, baby. It's commitment. For you good people that's married, when your spouse get on your nerves, what you do? Don't go home? Commitment say, I go home. Commitment don't say, he got on my nerves so much, I am not going back to that house. That's what we do, our relationship with God. I enter into relationship with him, I chose God. But commitment say, I don't feel like doing that today. What if God say to us when we want him? I don't feel like doing that today. Our natural instinct when we sin is to cover it up. Hide it. So no one knows. However, you don't have power to deal with sin. When you do wrong, you don't have the ability to deal with it. Only God can deal with sin. So when we sin against God, we can try our best to cover it up all we want. But guess what? You can't cover nothing up. You can't handle nothing because only God can deal with sin. Hmm. Yes. Only God can make people see you differently than how they see you after you messed up. explain it so you understand it because sometimes you might miss what I'm saying so you went ahead and you did something you sinned against God and you don't think anybody knows. you try to cover it up and you think I think I did a good job covering it up somehow it gets out now people start talking about you people start giving you side eye you can't do nothing about that nothing at all Only God can touch them in a way that they can start to go back and think about their life, about what they have done, and realize they're no better than you. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. And that's the way that you get redeemed through the process of what God is doing after you sin and you repent. God has to come into that equation. When you say God, you can come into the equation. God has to come into that equation and now touch your heart so you can repent, so you can move forward and move past your ungodliness and your sin. And then God can touch the circumstances all around you to make it all cleaned up. You can't do that. So all that covering up stuff, it's just going to take away from the time. Just, just, just get to it and do it so you don't waste time. Verse 8 in the scripture, chapter 3 says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And they heard the voice of the Lord Moving through the garden and instead of meeting to commune with the Lord, Adam and Eve hid. Remember I said this before and I'll say it again. Some of you probably didn't hear before. No matter how you slice the pie. When you stay away from the presence of the Lord. You did something that you shouldn't be doing. Remember now, I didn't say you murdered anybody. I didn't say you drank a bottle of vodka. I didn't say you went out party last night. That could have been all the stuff. But I'm just saying we got to stop thinking we did something big and drastic and go back to the simplest thing of you probably went through a week of really not praying, really praying. You, you probably went through the week without really praying where you experienced the touch of God. Where when you read your scripture, it spoke to your heart. You probably went through a week where you just went through the motion. And that says, eh, I don't think I'm going to church today. That's what I'm talking about. So th- let's not go so far into, I didn't do anything wrong. How dare you preach? you telling me I, I messed up. That's why I didn't come to church. It just could be you didn't read the scriptures in the morning. You didn't pray like you should. You just said something throw up in the air and you just kept going. And that makes you not feel motivated to come into the house of the Lord. Sometimes it's just that. Remember, all Eve did was go. She didn't even sin right away. She she went over by the tree. What did I tell you? If I can avoid it, Stay in front of the beach. All right? Because if you're not there, what what, what parents you say back in the day? If you wasn't there, they couldn't call your name. <laughs> Woo! Is, did you hear that when you were growing up? Because I heard that a couple of times. If you wasn't there, they couldn't call your name. So, So think about that. These are some, this is why I'm telling you, man, I'm so in love with old school and them that's been living longer than me. I can't tell you. Cause I'm just coming to this light of what they, they just said things. They knew things. We had no clue. Sometimes maybe they couldn't even explain it as thoroughly as they needed to, but they just knew something. And if you grew up hearing, if you wasn't there it, couldn't call your name. Well, that's garden. That's back in the garden stuff that they were saying. If you wouldn't buy the tree, you wouldn't have been tempted. Maybe that's what the Lord could have said to Eve, but he didn't have time for that because he I told you not to and you did. But all the Lord could have said is Eve. If you just would have stayed away from the tree, you wouldn't have to look up on the fruit and say, Whoa, it looks good. Just stay away from it. Uh huh. So they heard the voice of the Lord in the cool of the day. And they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees in the garden. They try to stay away from the Lord. They hid themselves from the Lord. When you mess up and now you feel terrible about it, that's what we normally do. Hide. Hide. What we do they were ashamed to be in his presence, and sometimes we're ashamed to come into the house of God because we know we messed up. but here is the irony of all of that that was going on. How can one hide from God anyway? let's get into our topic this morning. How can you really hide from God? <laughs> Sin makes you foolish. Sin makes you ignorant. Sin makes you slow. How can you hide from God when God is present everywhere all at once? And you're going to talk about, let me hide amongst the trees. What am I missing? Did you think about that? They hid themselves among the trees. Adam, Eve, yo. God is present everywhere all at once. What in the world are you trying to do? Hide amongst the, 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 the trees? So I don't get that. And so save for us. I'm just not ready to go to church yet. You're hiding among the leaves, trees. Oh, you don't want to hear it. Those of us when we decide that we don't want to go. I'm not ready yet. I'm not going. To, you're hiding among the leaves. You're hiding among the trees. I'm not going to church yet. And God, all present, all knowing everywhere, everything God is saying. What well, do you think? I don't see you over there. What do you think? You got to go into that building for me to see where you are. I know where you are. And if you go or you don't, I can locate you. Hiding among the trees. I ain't going to church today. Okay, so now that you stayed home or now that you had to do something else, wish it and God didn't see you? Don't do this. But you know, I like to be funny sometimes. Somebody walk up to us Thursday or next Sunday that's not here today. If it's a man just walking through hey, Adam. How you doing? The sister, hey, E. And just bust out laughing. She's like, don't even worry about it. <laughs> he was hiding among the trees last week. <laughs> oh, I got to have a little fun. got to have a little fun. Hiding among the trees thinking God can't see you. What are we thinking? And so they're hiding, thinking that God can't see them. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 3 says it this way. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Yes. What are we going to do? How can we hide from the Lord? His eyes is everywhere. He is seeing the good and the bad. We can't do anything without God seeing it. What are we going to do? Are we going to hide or are we are going to just do what we're supposed to do? Right. Yes. Yes. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. God is something. Remember Jonah? Jonah chapter 1 verse 10 says, "Then were the men exceeding afraid and said unto him, why hast thou done this?" For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord. Oh, really Jonah? Okay. Same same chapter 1. Look at jump down to verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish. What are we trying to do? I still want to know how we hide from God. You can run. But you can't hide. <laughs> you you can hide among the leaves, but you can't hide. You can run and get on the fit on on the, on the boat to get away from the place and, and you can't hide. You you can jump overboard of the boat and go into the ocean, but you can't hide. God had prepared a fish for Jonah. He could not go any place where the Lord was not. We can't go any place where the Lord is not. So what are we doing? Just running on? We can run, but we can't hide. God is present everywhere, all at once. He knows our thoughts. He understands everything. We can't hide from God. Look, we can try and do our own thing. Ignore God, but we cannot get around God. Sooner or later, we're going to have to come face to face with God. (coughs) Sooner or later, we're going to have to come face to face with God. We can run, can't hide. We can't get around him. Remember that song? He's so big that you can't get under him, can't get over him, can't get around him. Can't get around God. Can't get under God, can't get over God, can't get around God. Got to deal with God. At some point in time, you got to deal with God. I'll, re, I, I'll really love to deal with God on the good terms and on the bad terms. Mm-hmm. Look at what Romans chapter 14 says. Romans 14, 11. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. You can't run from God. And every one of us is going to have to give an account for ourselves to God. So are we going to run and hide knowing that it's just in vain because you can run but you can't hide? Are we going to run and hide because we think that we're just not ready? Remember... I told you, and I'm getting to close. I told you, some of you didn't hear, but some of you heard. I told you about uh, my neighbor and that my neighbor took his life, shotgun, killed himself. Just this week. And he did it in his garage. All his stuff was splattered all over the garage. I'm, I'm just still in awe. Just like, what in the world? But I don't know if this is why the Lord gave me that thought of you can run, but you can't hide. But the bottom line is, every one of us will have to face God at some point in time. Don't deceive yourself in saying that you're okay. Because I never wake up any day and say, I'm okay. I wake up every day and say, God, what do I need to do to get better? Every day I wake up, God, what do I need to do to get a better relationship with you, to get closer to you? Every day I wake up, I want to know how can I get closer to the Lord. Not thinking that, well, I'm good. Every day I want to know I can get better. Because every one of us are going to have to come face to face with God. You're going to have to come to him either if you take your life or you just give up your life. But here is the thought that I got from that after I thought about it. He literally committed Suicide. But those of us that stay away from God is committing suicide. No difference. So you can take your life and end it right then and there and see God quicker where you're going to have to deal with God on not good terms. Or you can stay away from God while you're living in this life, but you're living a life of suicide. Because anybody stay away from their creator, they're living a suicidal life. We stay away from our creator. We're living a suicidal life at any time. We're gone. Because where does life come from? And I need to stay connected to the life. The man could not hide himself from God. When God called unto him, where art thou? Not that he was ignorant of his hiding. God would be ignorant of Adam's hiding. But To bring him to confession of sins. When are we going to learn that God just wants us to own up to what we've done wrong and confess that we have done wrong? No? That's what God is after. When he said, Adam, where are you? God knew Adam was being silly among the trees. Looking at him. He was probably doing this. Adam, where are you? And Adam down there amongst the trees and he's looking at him. When God calls your name, While you have breath, He's calling your name for you to come and confess and surrender to Him. God is not calling your name to beat you. He's not calling your name to humiliate you. He's not calling your name to do something bad to you. He's calling your name so you can confess your sins and surrender your life and say, Here I am, God. I surrender. You know I've done wrong. You know I've sinned. not covering up my sins. That's what Adam and Eve did. God gave them a chance to come forward and confess their sins. But Adam told the Lord I had hidden myself for fear of his nakedness. Here's a good one. This is what Adam did that we're doing today. I'm there. Listen to this. Adam mm, was more concerned about the look than he was that he sinned against God. That's us. We do wrong. We sin against God and we're worried about who knows more than we are that he knows. So we mess up and instead of us running to God because he's the first one to call our names, instead of running to God and say, God, I've sinned. I just messed up. Guess what? We start the cover up right away. And we start working on the cover up. Because why? We don't want people to know. We don't want people to have a bad look of us. We don't. We don't want it to get out so we can look bad. And we worry more about what people think when we do wrong as opposed to what God thinks. That should go home. That should go home. Because that's the real issue that we have. It's 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 I don't know how God feels about this, but it, it it just can't be good how God feels about this. That we're more concerned about what people think than our eternal life, than our relationship with God. Because when we want if, the only way we're gonna get to heaven is when we confess our sins, we repent of them and we seek God and we seek his presence. That's how we get to heaven, and it doesn't matter who knew you messed up and who knew you sinned, it doesn't matter as long as you make it right with god but somehow we've held on to does so-and-so know oh man so-and-so knew
1: oh does so-and-so
0: know oh man and god is sitting there like can so-and-so forgive you your sins Can so-and-so get you into heaven? Can so-and-so deliver you? Can so-and-so save you? No, they cannot. So why are you worrying about so-and-so? You better start worrying about me when you rebel or disobey me. You got to start worrying about me because I'm the one that's going to forgive you and deliver you and save you. Stop worrying about so-and-so. We're worrying about so-and-so. God must be just sick to his stomach because he knows we can't get in with the sin we've committed. And instead of us running to him who can forgive us and get us in, we're, we're worried about the cover up so nobody else knows. While we're covering up, we're, we're going deeper into sin because in the cover up, you usually got to tell a lie. In the cover up, you blame other people. So you never take responsibility. And when you don't take responsibility, you can never get saved. What they say, if you're an alcoholic and you won't admit you won, you'll never get cured from it. If you're a drug addict and you can't admit it, you'll never get cured from it. Whatever it is, whatever addiction that we have, whatever sin we have, whatever situation we have, if you can't acknowledge it and know it and confess it, it, you can never get past it. And so Adam was steady worrying about the look. And then he started blaming. And the woman just followed suit what the husband did. He blamed, so she blamed. And so it became a blame game. When all God wanted to do was deliver him from the sin that had him bound. All God wanted to do was save him just from the sin. just from the fact that god is calling for us to come to him after we sin after we messed up tells us he wants us to be right with him uh-huh god wants to be right with him sin prevents us from fulfilling our purpose in god and from eternal life in christ Can I say this to you? This is, God is so, remember I told you this, try to learn the ways of God instead of knowing all the word of God. Because you will never know all the word of God. None of us will. But when you understand how he operates, you will always know what to do. Case in point, when they sinned, Adam didn't go looking for God. God, where are you? I just messed up. God. I'm at the spot where we always meet. I just messed up. Where are you? Adam didn't do that. As soon as he sinned, the voice of the Lord came after him. Adam, where are you? Because that's the kind of God we serve. When you mess up, God is first on it. He's on it before you. So don't think that you mess up God didn't see. Because you can't hide from him. We've been over that. When you messed up, God knew before you even mess up you were going to mess up. He knew Adam messed up and he approached Adam first. That's a character of God that when you mess up God will take the first step towards you to get you restored. Follow up. The son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. When we messed up God became man in Jesus Christ. And came to this world to do what? To seek and to save the lost. Did we send to call him from heaven? What are you doing up there? Come on down. Or did he look down and say, they need me. And so I'm going to become a human so they can have me as their sacrifice. So his way of being is always, when you mess up, He's coming after you. He's coming to try to get you restored. So don't run from Him. Don't try to hide from Him. Don't try to go in your own little place and stay away from God because God is not mean and evil and trying to get you so He can send you to hell. He is coming at you to try to get you restored. He's trying to come at you to get you saved. And we're misunderstanding God and not realize the ways of God is restoration. The ways of God is redemption. The ways of God is deliverance, the ways of God is forgiveness. And when God calls your name, as soon as you sin, as soon as you do wrong, God is going to convict your heart. And today you might not hear the voice of God but you will be convicted the moment you sin and take it from me today. That's the voice of God. Just like Adam heard it. That's your way of knowing God is saying to you I just saw that. I just saw that. But I want you should come to me right now so I can deliver you and forgive you of your sins. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he did it back in the garden and he's doing it today. Jesus is God manifest in flesh that came to seek and to save us that were lost. God is not calling your name and convicting your heart so you feel bad. Stop worrying about what people think and just get up and do what God says. Come to him. Will you stand? Listen. We go back to the beginning. Again, the ways of God. From the beginning, new. This is all God wanted. He wanted us to be in perfect Peace. He wanted us to experience the joy of the Lord. He wanted us to experience communion with Him. He wanted us to have intimate relationship with Him. That's what He wanted from the beginning, which happened, but just for a short time. And so all that we're dealing with today, all that we're saying, all that we're experiencing, and all that I'm preaching and teaching about is God is trying to get us back to that place, the garden place, where there's perfect peace. Where there's joy of the Lord, where there's communion with God, where there is intimacy, intimacy with God, where where, where where there is prayer and worship going on with God. That's all he's trying to do is to drive us back to that garden experience from the beginning before they sinned. That's all this is about. That's all it's about. He's trying to get us back to that garden experience. He's trying to get us back to that place before sin came into our life, before we got distorted and messed up, before we, we, we interrupted the flow of what was going on in our life. He's trying to get us back to that place. Perfect peace, joy. And don't you think that you can't have perfect peace in this world? He can give you peace in this world. The Bible says he is the prince of peace. So it means no matter how chaotic this world is, God can move on you in such a way that his peace will be upon you. And while things are going crazy, you just say, well, you know, it's just kind of how it is. You know, the Lord said it would happen and you're in total peace. And the Lord come right now. Doesn't matter. He said he would come as peace. And then the joy of the Lord don't have you, it's in your heart and you're not walking around here just downtrodden and and looking like you lost, you know, all your family members. You just know, no matter what's going on, I have the joy of the Lord. I am okay. And your communion with God is just, it's authentic. You have an intimate relationship and fellowship with Him is authentic, authentic. We got to make sure That we understand God is trying to get us back to that original place. That's all this is. He's trying to get us back to that original place in the garden before sin. And that's what we need to pay attention to and forget about everything. I didn't talk to you about sin today to make you feel guilty. But I wanted you to be convicted if sin is operating in your life. Because that's what God wants. Because that's his voice now. That's his voice. The conviction you feel when you do wrong, that's his voice. Adam had the privilege of hearing. Adam! Where are you? He had the privilege of hearing it. I don't know if that's a privilege or not, because that might have sounded like horror. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure God probably said it in love, but I still, I don't know. Uh, wait, where are you? Lord God, you want to kill me or something? You know, so I don't know if what's better, hearing the voice saying, where are you? Come on to me. Or just him convicting my heart so I know right away I need to go and get on my knees and meet him at that place where I am now because I'm messing up. That's the conviction that we feel when we do wrong. He wants you to meet him at that place right now. Not not, not 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 run away from the place. He wants you to meet him at that place right now because that's the way he is letting you know I saw what you just did. Uh-huh. We can run, but we can't hide. And so if we will just take some time today before we get out of here and just seek the Lord and make it right with him. That you can walk out of here today and knowing you made it right with the Lord. It doesn't matter what nobody think about you. And you got to get over what people think. you got to not worry about nobody but yourself. Because we don't know what's going on in people's mind. We don't know what's going on in people's life. We just know what's going on in ours. And sometimes we think we know with people and we're trying to make an assessment. What good is that going to do anyway? Might as well make an assessment of your own self and that's what we need to do so let's take a moment real quick or not so real quick and let the Lord have his way in your thoughts just you seeking God confessing your sins repenting of your sins surrendering yourself to God and getting into communion with him into worship with him Father in the name of Jesus we thank you for this opportunity this privilege Lord God to hear of your word Lord Jesus, we counted a great joy. We cre- counted a great privilege to be able to know, Lord God, what the Spirit is saying unto us, to receive instructions, to receive directions from you. And Lord God, today we confess our sins. I confess every sin, Lord God, that I've ever committed before you this morning. Lord, have mercy upon my soul. Lord Jesus, will you forgive me of my sins? Will you cleanse me from all my unrighteousness? Will you wash me one more time in the blood of the Lamb? Wash my heart in the washing of the Word? Wash my mind by the washing of the Word and cleanse me that I may be whole that I may be clean. Lord, I want to truly be redeemed, Lord God. I don't want to think that I am when I'm not, Lord God. Lord, I am not going to allow myself to worry about what others may think of me, Lord God, when it's pertaining to my right relationship with you, Lord God. And so today, Lord Jesus, I call upon your name and say, Lord Jesus, will you save me? Will you save me from me, Lord God? Will you save me from destruction, Lord? Will you cover me again, Lord God? That I may be kept by your power. That I may be kept by your strength, Lord God today Lord Jesus I pray that you have your way in my thoughts I want my mind to be oh God filled with the word of God I want my thoughts Lord God to be the thoughts that you put into it Lord God I want to be right with you and Lord I pray that the will of God may be done in my life Lord I want to be in fellowship Lord God I want to be in communion with you Lord Jesus will you move on us as a body as the church of the living God will you move on us Lord God that we can be in right relationship with you that we can commune with you As Adam and Eve communed with you in the garden, Lord God, we want to commune with you here today, Lord God. We want to feel your touch, Lord God. We want to be delivered and be healed and be saved, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus that somebody today will not worry about what anyone thinks about them. That somebody today, Lord God, will come out from themselves and totally surrender to you. And totally commit themselves into your hands. And totally Lord God heal and surrender and say God have your way in me. 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 Will somebody surrender to the Lord? Will somebody heal themselves to the Lord? And say God have your way in me. Have your way in me. I want to be uh, your vessel, your instrument. Uh, I want to be your creation. Uh, Oh, God, that will bring glory and honor to you. Uh, I want to be your God, your child, Lord God. Will you have your way? Will you have your way? Will you have your way in me? Somebody yield to the Lord today. Yield to the Lord today. Make a commitment uh, to follow Jesus make a commitment to follow Jesus today. That come hell or high water, you're going to follow Jesus. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what the situation, you're going to follow Jesus. You're going to follow Jesus because Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. And Jesus is the way maker. And Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That Jesus is the great I am. That Jesus is the everlasting Father. That's jesus is the wonderful counselor that jesus is the prince of peace and the mighty god that jesus is the one that gives you life he's the one that you live and move and have your being in and so today we commit our life to you lord god we commit ourselves to you lord god oh father we will live for you we will serve you We have made the choice, Lord God. And so now, Lord God, we've entered into a relationship by being born again of the Word and of the Spirit, Lord God. Now, God, will you move on us and give us the strength to stay committed, to live committed, to be faithful to you, Lord God, to trust you and to obey you. Oh, God, that faith will be in our heart for us to live for you. That we will live for you in faith and not worry about anything else, Lord God. Oh God, have your way today.